So we are busy. If, if, you, uh, if you're here for the first time today, uh, you will either rejoice or you will be shocked to your core <laughs> when you hear what we are busy with. <laughs> but um, for the last couple of weeks, we, we started a series on the truth about the end times. Okay? So uh, we talked about Daniel chapter uh, 2 and chapter 7, which was the statue, the image, which spoke of those four uh, uh, those four kingdoms. And then there was the four beasts, which was the same four kingdoms. And we spoke about Daniel chapter 9 of the 70 weeks of years. That is a 490-year uninterrupted period in history. That it, it fits exactly the history books, if you read it in the history and uh, every, all the images that is described therein is images of kings. Their names are in, even in the Bible in Luke chapter 3. The seven heads, the seven rulers of the time. You can check it out in Luke chapter 3. The, the ten horns, the, the ten Caesars of that time. The three ones that was plucked out. That was in the year, uh, when was it? 70 AD. And then the one that, that replaced it was... Vespasian, which then led, or his son led the legions to take over Jerusalem in 70 AD, and it was completely destroyed, as was prophesied. Daniel chapter 9, Matthew 23, 24, all fulfilled in 70 AD in the siege of Jerusalem. Okay? In detail. Okay, so if you want to know more about that, see last week's message and the week before. Okay? So, um, I'm sorry, the mark of the beast is not the obelisk in Washington, D.C. That's a monument. And in a country that they didn't even know existed in that time. It wasn't part of the known world even. So, sorry. So, we can't take things that's got nothing to do with one another and just link them. Let the scripture explain the scripture. So we don't explain the scripture with CNN. The scripture's got nothing to do with Russia and China. It's got nothing to do with the United States. But it's going to bless the United States because there's a lot of believers in the United States. It's got nothing to do with South Africa. And there's not one, a single one dictator coming called the Antichrist. There's no scripture that says it. But the scripture speaks of the spirit of Antichrist, which was in all the leaders in that beast which stood against God's people. Okay? So it's got nothing to do with it. Revelation 13 uh, and Revelation 17, it's not still coming, it's fulfilled. Revelation 17, the, uh, the harlot, which is the false prophet, which rode on the beast, was fulfilled. It is Jerusalem. It's the harlot. And you can see it in Scripture. And it, the honor for it, Babylon the Great, and it's a name of mystery. Babylon never burnt. Jerusalem burnt. Okay, so I just wanted to recap all of this. There's no tribulation coming, not prophesied. If a tribulation occurs in this world, it's wars of this world, and, it's, and it comes out of wicked men. It doesn't come from God. It's not Scripture. Uh, the, the tribulation that the Bible spoke of was fulfilled. And John the, uh, John the Apostle said, I, your brother, 
in the kingdom and in tribulation. So he was already in the tribulation on the Isle of Patmos. Okay, so it's fulfilled, everything done. It's not a futuristic thing. You can't take the 70 weeks of years and then cut off the last week and make a 2,000 year gap. Because even the grammar in the Hebrew makes it a singular, singular time period of 490 years, plural. But it's a singular time period. Okay. So, everyone want to, is there someone that wants to run or excuse themselves because of offense? No? Okay, good, 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 good. Okay. As you know, I'm going to feel a slag on the Okay, don't worry. I, I, you can really, there's no offense from my part if you need to go anywhere. Okay. All right. So, uh, today I want to talk about, I've spent so much time already. The big one, First Thessalonians chapter 4. Okay? So, before we go to it, I want to give just some background. And uh, Okay. Where shall we start? Okay, I think I'm just going to ignore this and just go as it comes up in my heart. Okay, so maybe refer to a few things because if we do everything, we'll be here till Tuesday. Okay, so 2 Corinthians chapter 5. First, go to 1 Corinthians 15. I think that'll be better. So what I want to do is I want to give you different accounts of what is supposed to happen at the end, what it's supposed to look like when Jesus comes back again. Do I believe that Jesus is coming back? For sure, because the word says so. Is Jesus coming? Yes, Jesus is coming. Is he coming to take the church away? No, he's coming to bring the saints that died in him with him here. No scripture says we're going anywhere. It's not in your Bible. It's assumed. It's not there. There's no scripture saying we're leaving. But the scripture says he is coming. Yeah. yeah, but I thought that the earth is going to end up in flames and everything. The scripture in Second Peter, we'll talk about that later. It speaks of the fire that would, re- that, that would destroy that world, the known world, 70 AD, the Jewish world. It says world, not earth. It speaks of the elements, but the elements are something that's specific in the temple. The elements. So it doesn't speak of the world going up in flames. But it will be rolled up and there will be a new creation. Romans chapter 8 says, all creation is groaning for the sons of God to be made manifest. So if everything is going to burn up, why is creation groaning for the sons to be manifested? If everyone is going to be snatched away and fly away, oh glory, then what about creation that's groaning to be set free from bondage and decay and enter into the glorious liberty of the sons of God? What do you do with that in Romans 8 then? So, what about I saw a new heaven and a new earth? So isn't, isn't the new creation, man in Christ, supposed to uh, release the creation that was subject to frailty because of Adam into the glorious liberty of the sons of God? So we were called to reign over creation, not to run away from whatever has gone wrong in it. Amen. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. So blessed are the righteous, for they shall inherit the earth so if i'm going to be snatched away i'll miss my inheritance 
So either the scripture explains the scripture, or we've got some double-mindedness, and this, everything has to tie in together. So either I'm wrong, and there's a lot of scriptures that suddenly doesn't make sense, and everyone's going to fly away, or I'm right, and um, everything in the scripture is actually true. Okay, we can just read it as it's there. Okay, so 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So he says, verse 46, it's not the spiritual life which came first, but the physical and then the spiritual. The first man was from out of earth, made of dust, earthly minded. The second man is the Lord from out of heaven. Now, I want you to see a pattern here. Now those who are made of the dust are like him who was first made of the dust, Adam, earthly minded. And as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven, heavenly minded. So it's Adam first, then the Lord from heaven. Okay? And just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, so shall we and so let us also bear the image of the man of heaven. Just as we bore the image of Adam. Has any one of you borne the image of Adam? We all have. Natural birth. So shall we also bear the image of the man of heaven. Supernatural birth, you must be born again, Nicodemus, John chapter 3. If you, you will never see the kingdom of God if you're not born again. You must be born of water and spirit. Okay? So you're born of water and spirit and you're baptized with the spirit and fire. Water and spirit, water and fire. Okay, born of the Spirit, born water, baptism, and then another baptism, baptism of fire, spirit and fire, spirit and water. Okay, okay, I'm not going to go into that too much. Okay, so it describes an aspect of the birth and an aspect of the baptism of the Spirit. Okay. Take notice, I tell you a mystery. Decreed by the hidden purpose in the counsel of God. We shall not... No, wait, I'm skipping stuff. Forgive me, I'm over eager here. Okay. I tell you this, brethren, flesh and blood cannot become partakers of eternal salvation. So, Adam won't inherit. You have to be born again to inherit. Adam won't inherit. The new man will inherit in Christ. So if you're born again, you're a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, if any person is engrafted in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is past. The old, the first Adam, the law and the prophets, is past. The new has come. The second man, the last Adam, the man from heaven. Man filled by the Holy Ghost. The second man, the new creation. He says... Flesh and blood cannot become partakers of eternal salvation and inherit and share the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable part, that which is decaying, inherit or share in the imperishable, the immortal. Take notice, I tell you a mystery, a secret, an event decreed by the hidden purpose and counsel of God. We shall not all fall asleep in death, but we shall all be changed. Now just take notice. In a moment, so it's, it's, it's going to be a quick thing. He's speaking of a specific thing. So it's not everyone that has, everyone doesn't have to wait for the moment to start manifesting Christ. We can start manifesting and grow into his image and likeness now more and more. Okay? So don't wait for that last moment. 
But in that last moment, this will happen. In a twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the last trumpet call, for the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will be raised imperishable. So it's speaking of a moment when the dead will rise. Okay, has that moment occurred yet? No, because there's still dead people in the graves. Have I lost you all? Are there still people in graves? That means the last day in the resurrection hasn't occurred yet. Okay? So when Jesus comes again, we'll look at 1 Thessalonians 4. He will come and bring those who died with him, and they will be raised first. But, so it's speaking of the same moment because it's speaking of the resurrection of the dead. Are you with me? Okay, so then he says, You shall not all fall asleep in death, but you shall all be changed or transformed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the sound of the last trumpet call. Okay, so they say Jesus is coming like a thief in the night. A thief doesn't come with a trumpet. Have you seen a thief with a trumpet? Ta-da! I'm here to take your TV. No, he came as a thief in the night. They didn't recognize him. He came unto his own, but his own received him not. They did not recognize him. First Corinthians 1, sorry. When the world, with all their philosophy and all their knowledge, did not recognize him, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So it's about believing in him. They didn't recognize him by the law. And neither did the Gentiles recognize him by, his, by their philosophy. They were blinded by the philosophy and they were blinded by the law. They did not see him. He came as a thief. Okay? All right. Trumpet call will sound. Oh, man, I'm going in too much detail already. And the dead in Christ will be raised imperishable, free, immune from decay, and we shall be changed. The dead in Christ raised imperishable, and we... Who is the we? Those who are still alive. Those who are alive and remain. Those who are still there. So there's two groups. The dead in Christ and the we that's alive at that time. So we will not all die, but those who died will be raised imperishable and those who are still there will be uh, changed. And it says, changed or transformed. For this perishable part of us must put on the imperishable nature. Okay, so there's a putting on. Okay, I, I want to say these things, I want to emphasize it, because we need to layer these things on top of one another when we read First Thessalonians 7. So that moment when he comes, when the dead are raised, the perishable must put on the imperishable. So there's a clothing upon. Does it make sense? Okay. Right, so... And it hasn't said anything about going anywhere. It's saying about something coming upon you. Are you with me? Okay. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal part of us must put on immortality. So mortal, which means you are liable to death, puts on. Something comes upon you which makes your body immortal. That means cannot die. So the end of it will mean... We, we will all have eternal life in a glorified body. Are we in agreement with that? 
Okay. So there must be a glorification of the body. The body must be made imperishable. The body must, that is subject to mortality must be made immortal. And in that twinkling of the eye moment, that will happen. So it's a sudden thing. Does it make sense? Okay, right. And when this perishable puts on the imperishable, and this that was capable of dying puts on freedom from death, then shall be fulfilled the scripture that says, death is swallowed up and utterly vanquished forever in and unto victory. So there's a manifestation of the victory that Jesus had over death on the cross happening in the body of Christ when he comes again. A manifestation. It's a quick and sudden thing. Okay? So for now... We keep our eyes on him in Romans chapter 12. We are transformed into his, into his very own image. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Transformed into the image that we see. So the transformation is already happening as we look. So, but if we, if we die, we will be raised. So we don't, we don't mourn like those who have no hope, like the Sadducees that didn't believe in the resurrection. But... We know there's a hope of resurrection. The hope is not one day in heaven. Heaven is not the last stop. What about the resurrection? What about them coming back here to be raised from the dead? Let your kingdom come in earth as it is in heaven. Okay, so heaven must manifest here. The unseen must manifest here. That's the pattern from the beginning. Out of the unseen, the spirit spoke and it manifested the creation on this world. On, on this world. From the unseen, Jesus came to this world and he manifested salvation. So it's every time what is in heaven has to come to earth. But there's an, another unseen realm and, and uh, people partook of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And from that unseen realm, other stuff started manifesting here, like sickness and death and destruction. Because of Adam subjecting everything to frailty. So which word do we believe? Do we take the word... Of that, that comes from the Spirit of God that manifests the unseen things in heaven into the reality here. Did not God make this earth and subject it to man? Did he not do that? Did he not give us charge to rule and reign over it? So why do we want to give it over to a false prophet and a beast? That's abdicating our authority and our mandate. So either we ignore what God said in the beginning, let us make man, let them rule and have authority. Or we take that authority and we subject everything on earth until earth looks like heaven. So are we going to be doers of the word or are we just going to wait until the heaven bus comes and picks us up? Okay. So then shall be fulfilled the scripture that says death is swallowed up entirely vanquished forever and unto victory. I'm swallowed up in this shirt. Okay, so there's a clothing upon, something that comes from heaven to me here, to us. It says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? All right, now, this, now sin is the sting of death. So that means sin is the injection, the sting that injects death into your system. All right? And sin exercises its power upon the soul through the law. So the law uses, or how can I put it? Sin uses the law to inject death into you. So the more we are legalistic about our own behavior and other people's behavior, the more we are ministering death to, to one another. 
But the more we see the price that Jesus paid on the cross, he said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So Jesus came to bring life. So if Jesus came to bring life, why does everyone want to die and go to heaven? Is death then the Savior? Is death the way to the Father? No, Jesus is the way to the Father. So it, the, neither does it say death is, the, uh, Jesus is the way to heaven. He says Jesus is the way to the Father. Do we have access to the Father now? Are we now seated with Christ in heavenly places? Do we have boldness? Come, come boldly to the throne of grace, Hebrews chapter 4. Can we come with uh, true, honest, sincere hearts into the very certainty within the presence? I'm combining Hebrews 6 and Hebrews chapter 10. Okay, So we can come with certainty, having our hearts cleansed and sprinkled by the blood of Christ and uh, our consciences from a guilty, evil conscience. We know that the law never cleansed the consciences of people. Okay, Hebrews chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 7, the law never made anything perfect. All right? So, which means we are perfected only by the blood of Christ. Okay. So the perishable must put on the imperishable. The mortal must put on immortality. So in that moment that it's a, it's a sudden thing, it's an eagerness, it's a quick thing. When this perishable puts on the imperishable, and this that was capable of dying puts on freedom from death, then shall be fulfilled the scripture, death is swallowed up. Utterly vanquished forever in and unto victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Sin is the sting of death, and sin exercises its power upon the soul through the law. Through the abuse of the law. So preaching the law outside of the context of the cross is abuse. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Making us conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ. So are we conquerors, or is the devil the conqueror that's going to conquer the world? I'm, I don't know, I just don't understand that image of some of these preachers that even have pictures on their stage, a big devil and a small Jesus. I don't get it. Isn't, is he not the king of kings? Therefore, my beloved brethren, be firm, immovable, always abounding in the works of the Lord, always being superior, excelling, doing more than enough in the service of the Lord, knowing and being continually aware of your labor in the Lord. Uh, it's not futile, it's not in vain. Okay. Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter 9 says, let's start reading from verse 24. For Christ has not entered into a sanctuary made with human hands, only a copy or a pattern or a type of the true one, because the, the one that was visible on this earth was a, was a pattern of things to come, to, be, to see the fulfillment of it. But he has entered into heaven itself now to appear in the very presence of God on our behalf. Nor did he enter into heaven regularly to offer himself again and again as the high priest enters the Holy of Holies every year with blood not his own. For then he would often have had to suffer over and over again since the foundation of the world. But as it now is, he has once for all at the consummation and close of the ages, so the close of the ages, the end of the 70 weeks, the appointed time, appeared to put, well, it's in the midst of the 70th week, uh, appeared to put away and abolish sin by his sacrifice of himself. Jesus ended sin. 
Hierdie ding is bykie koud op my, kan jy net bykie stariger sê, sublief. And just as it is appointed for all men once to die, and after that the certain judgment, even so it is that Christ, having been offered to take upon himself and bear uh, as a burden the sins of many once and once for all, will appear a second time, not to carry any burden of sin, nor to deal with sin, but to bring to full salvation those who are uh, eagerly, constantly, patiently waiting for and expecting Him. So there's a group that's eagerly awaiting Him. So there's an eagerness. So that if something happens, when it comes, you are eager to quickly grab a hold of it. There's a suddenness. There's an expectation of something to be revealed so that you can grab a hold of it. Okay, just as uh, all men are appointed once to die, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, Christ lives. Okay, that's the baptism. So, you can say of that whatever you want, but the Lord counts us as having died with Christ. You can just ro- read Romans chapter 6. Okay. All right. Can you need die wind minder maak, asjeblief? Dalk net, as op een, sit om maar eers af. <laughs> ok, want hy waai my goed die mekaar. Thanks, Nico. Ok, if, if someone, if, if you are hot, just raise your hands and then I'll see. Ok, then we put on the thing again. Alright. Alright, so, he will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin. He already dealt with sin. He already ended sin. He was already the perfect once for all sacrifice that shall avail for all time. If you read Hebrews chapter 10. Okay. So, and 9. So, when he comes again, he's not coming as Messiah. He came as Messiah. He's coming to bring to full salvation those who are eagerly and constantly waiting, expecting. So that means the coming, when he comes again, that coming brings full salvation. Are you with me? So there's a clothing upon, and that clothing upon is full salvation. So that is the manifestation of the Spirit of Christ in fullness being revealed and manifested as a son. Does it make sense? So you have to put these things together. All right. Okay, so 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and then we go, can go start with Thessalonians. How much time do we have? Okay. All right, so I'm trying to be short. Second Corinthians chapter 5 says the following, verse 1. For we know that if the tent which is our earthly home, tent speaking of a temporary structure, which is our earthly home, the, the earthly home speaks of the natural body, Adam, is destroyed, we have from God a building, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. So firstly, it's not a temple made with hands because God does not dwell in temples made with hands. Okay, Acts chapter 7. It says, we have from God, from God. So right now, that thing is in the unseen. It's in the heavens. Or let's refer to it as unseen because some people think heaven is a planet. It's not a planet beyond Pluto. It's just an unseen realm in the Father. Wherever the Father is, there is heaven. Okay. Our Father who art in? Okay. So our destination is the Father. Right. So he says, We know that if our earthly home is destroyed, we have from God a building, a house not made with hands, 
eternal in the, in the heavens. Here indeed, in this present abode, this body, we sigh and groan inwardly because we yearn to be clothed over. We, we yearn to put on our celestial body like a garment to be fitted out with our heavenly dwelling. So that means our heavenly dwelling that is in heaven from God must manifest and clothe us over. I'm dwelling in the shirt. Okay, does it make sense? Okay, let's go. So he says, so that by putting it on, we may not be found naked or without the body or without the heavenly dwelling. For while we are still in this tent, temporary structure, we groan under the burden and sigh deeply. So temporary means death is involved. Permanent means the eternal life is manifested. Okay? So he says, while we are still in this tent, we groan under the burden and sigh deeply, way down, depressed, depressed. Not that we want to put off the body, but rather that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal, our dying body, may be swallowed up by life. So there's a swallowing up of life. There's a covering coming, a manifestation. So Christ is in us and we are in Christ. But that we are in Christ is not seen. It's invisible that's the secret place that means the secret place will become a revealed place the secret place is our is our building in heaven the place where we dwell spiritually but that spiritual secret place must come upon us and manifest and become seen okay so the spirit of god is inside you is christ dwelling in your heart okay when you receive the holy ghost where did he go into your heart okay they were all filled if you fill a glass with water, where's the water? In the glass. Okay. So now it, the, the spirit is wearing your body as a garment. Okay. But now, now this mortal part must be swallowed up by life. So now that it's like a glass is overflowing and covers the outside as well. So that there's a seen manifestation of the spirit of the Christ on the church. That means exactly the image of Jesus Christ. When you walk, it will be exactly like Jesus is described in Revelation chapter one. The resurrected Christ, swallowed up. Are we not in Christ? Is Christ in us? So if the unseen manifests, people will see Christ in not us. Does it make sense? Okay, so when he comes, he will come upon us, and death will be swallowed up unto victory. Okay, right, so, now, verse 5, He who has fashioned us and prepared and making us fit for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of the fulfillment of the promise. So we have the Holy Spirit on the inside, and that guarantees of the fulfillment of the promise, the full manifestation of Christ on us. Okay, he is coming. He is coming. It doesn't mean we're going. Okay. Okay, but I just hear this question. What about, and we've, we've spoken about this. What about I'm going to away John chapter 14 to prepare a place for you. And I will come back and I will receive you unto myself so that where I am, my servant may be also. So he said in a little while, John 14 and John 16, a little while. So he went away a little while cross, death, resurrection, and he appeared to them again, and he said, receive my spirit. Boom, there's the dwelling place. It's fulfilled. 
What's the dwelling place? The spirit. In my father's house. What's my father's house? It's, it's the dwelling place. It's heaven. Do we not have access to heaven? Did he not open up a fresh new living way? Hebrews 10 verse 19 and 20. Through the separating curtain that is through his flesh by the power of the blood. Can we not go boldly? So either we can go in boldly and our place is prepared and anointed and, and the Holy of Holy is, is anointed and open up for us so that we can enter in boldly. Or we can't enter in there and we have to wait for it. Can we enter in? Does the scripture say we can? So the place is prepared. So if the place is prepared, in my father's house there are many dwelling places. Are you not the temple of the Holy Ghost? Are you the temple of the Holy Ghost? First Corinthians three, first Corinthians six, second Corinthians six. Do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? So where does God dwell? In his temple. Where's the temple? Here. It's you. Okay? If you have the Holy Spirit. Okay. Philippians chapter 3. And then we can go over to First uh, Thessalonians. So there's a Okay, you'll come over here and sit Sorry, I'm I can't decide if I'm out or cold. Philippians chapter three. Verse twenty. But we are citizens of the state which is in heaven. We are, not we will be. We are citizens. King James, for our conversation is in heaven. Is your voice heard in heaven? Do you hear from God? Your conversation is in heaven. And from it. So from our position in Christ in heaven. Uh, Ephesians 2 verse 6. Seated at the right hand of God. Seated with Christ. From it. We also earnestly, there's the eagerness again, earnestly and patiently await the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So from his presence, the secret unseen place, we earnestly wait the coming of the Lord, who will transform and fashion anew the body of our humiliation to conform and be like the body of his glory and majesty by exerting that power which enables him to even subject everything to himself. Okay. Did you get that? Body of humiliation be changed into the body of his glory. That means the body of humiliation, the natural body, will be swallowed up by life, which is his glory. Still saying the same thing as the other scriptures? Are you with me? Okay. Just page back to Philippians uh, 3 verse 12. Now it says... There's so much, but let's just focus on this. Not that I have now attained this ideal or have already been made perfect, but I press on to lay hold of and grasp and make my own that for which 
Christ Jesus has laid hold of me and made me his own. So he has grasped me and I'm grasping for it. I'm eagerly awaiting him to grasp the full salvation. And because he has already laid hold of me. Are you, are you with me? Okay, that word, it's in the King James, it says apprehend. That word apprehend in the Greek is a synonym for the word caught up in First Thessalonians chapter 4. A synonym for it, which means to eagerly grab. Okay? All right. Are you with me? All right. It says apprehend to press onto, to lay hold. Catalambano. Intensive kata to take lambano. To take seize, suddenness. It's a synonym for harpazo, which means to seize. You with me? And it doesn't speak of traveling or any distance being taken. Okay. Afrikaans... Okay, are you with me? Okay, let's go to First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Is the econ gedeelte af? Is it net die fan wat anders? Die sit die vlokkie af, maar die fan aan. Die fan op twee, die sneeuwvlokkie af, laat het net die fan is. Het ons om. Ok, thanks. Ok. First Thessalonians, but I wanted, I just want to look at a few things in chapter 3. Okay. First Thessalonians chapter 3, he says in verse 4, For even even when we were with you, you know we warned you plainly beforehand that we were to be pressed with difficulties and made to suffer affliction, just as to your own knowledge it, it has since happened. You're still waiting for a futuristic tribulation? It says, in this context, it has since happened. So it has started already by the time he was writing this letter. That is the reason that when I could bear uh, the suspense no longer, I sent that I might learn how you were standing strained in the endurance of your faith. For I was fearful lest somehow the, temper, the tempter had tempted you and our toil among you should prove to be fruitless and to no purpose. So this was already time of tribulation. Okay? It's not a futuristic thing. Verse 13. This is the purpose. So that he may strengthen and confirm and establish your hearts faultlessly, pure, unblameable in holiness in the sight of our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints, the holy and glorified people of God. 
the coming with the saints, not the coming for the saints. I'm going to say it again. The coming with the saints, not the coming for the saints. He's not coming for the saints. He's coming with the saints. All right. Furthermore, brethren, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We beg and admonish you in virtue of our union with Jesus that you follow the instructions which you learned from us about how you ought to walk so as to please and gratify God as indeed you are doing and that you do so even more and more abundantly attending yet greater perfection in living this life. So the perfection is Christ living through them. Verse 2, for you know what charges and precepts we gave to you on the authority and by the inspiration of the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God that you should be consecrated and separated and set apart for, uh, for pure and holy living, that you should abstain and shrink from all sexual vice, that each one of you should know how to possess control and manage his own body in consecration and honor. Not to, to be used in the passion of the lust like the heathen who are ignorant of the true God and have no knowledge of his will. So he's still uh, he's speaking to people, saved people, who are in a body that is subject to all the natural stuff that people struggle with. So he says, that no man transgression overreach his brother and defraud him in this matter or defraud his brother in business, for the Lord is an avenger in all these things, and we have already warned you and told you plainly. For God has not called us to impurity, but to consecration, to dedicate ourselves to the most uh, thorough and purity. Therefore, whoever disregards, uh, sets aside this, disregards not man but God, whose very spirit, whom he gives to you, is holy and chaste and pure. Okay. So he is encouraging them to live a life surrendered to the Spirit of God, to live consecrated to him. Concerning brotherly love for all your Christians, you have no need to have anyone write to you, for you yourselves have been personally taught by the Lord to love one another, and indeed you already are extending and displaying your love to all the brethren throughout Macedonia. But we beseech and earnestly exhort you, brethren, that you excel in this matter and more. Okay. Just skip to verse 13 for time. Now also, we, do not have, we would not have you ignorant, brethren, about those who fall asleep in death. So who is he talking about? Those who died in Christ. Are we in agreement on that? Okay. That you may not grieve as them as the rest do who have no hope beyond the grave, like the Sadducees. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that's the pattern, even so, God will also bring with him through Jesus those who have fallen asleep in death. For this we declare to you by the Lord's own words. So now we're talking about the resurrection. As Jesus was raised from the dead, that's the pattern. The people will be raised from the dead. Okay. Did Jesus rise from the dead on this earth? We have this testimony that he appeared to, to the 12 and to, for 40 days he appeared to the saints. Was he raised from the, death, from the dead on earth? So the rest will be raised from the dead on earth as well. Okay? So the resurrection is not in heaven. The resurrection is on earth. 
Come on, are you, uh, are you with me? It's not, we die here and we are resurrected in heaven. There's no scripture saying that. But that's how it's preached. Heaven is not the destination. Heaven is an unseen realm and God, as from the beginning, the pattern was that everything that is in heaven comes here and it's manifested here. Not other way around. Okay? For this we declare to you by the Lord's own word, that we who are alive and remain, Okay, the Greek, Greek word there is closely connected with survive. <laughs> okay. Until the coming of the Lord shall in no way proceed into his presence or have any advantage at all over those who are, have previously fallen asleep in death. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a loud cry summons, with a shout of an archangel and with a blast of a trumpet. So there's the trumpet. There's a shout. It's not a thief in the night. It's like a Pentecostal church. Noisy. Okay? So it's, he's already conquered. Okay. There's no need for him to come as a thief in the night. He already conquered everything. Okay. Maybe someone there will rejoice in this. <laughs> okay. All right. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven. Okay. Let's just quickly... Pause there. How did he ascend? Acts chapter 1. We don't have enough time. We'll have to, I'll have to push through. I'm sorry. How did Jesus ascend? A cloud received him out of this sight. Did he get onto a cloud? And it went higher and higher and higher. Look, there goes Jesus. Where is he now? It's just like Balona, you know, if the children's part, you see, the, can you still see the balloon, you know? No, a cloud appeared, and the cloud received him out of their sight. Acts chapter 1. And they stood there, gazing intently into heaven, into the cloud. And there were two men standing there, not angels, men, standing there. They said, why are you gazing so intently into heaven? The same Jesus will come back the same way you saw him go. He went from the seen to the unseen into a cloud. Okay? Which means he will come back, the cloud will manifest, and he will come from the unseen to the seen. That's the pattern. The order is reversed. The thing is just, he's coming with the saints who are in the cloud. So who are the saints who are in the cloud? It's everyone that died in Christ. Hebrews chapter 12. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth. Let us strip off from every side, every unnecessary weight and every encumbrance. Run our race, steady and active persistence, eyes focused on Jesus. Set your minds and keep it set. Colossians 3, eyes focused on Jesus. Okay, so what's the cloud of witnesses? Well, it described a lot of people, and it's, even Hebrews 11 says it's not, an extensive, it's not a, a comprehensive list. It says we don't even have time to speak of all the prophets and all the others. So everyone that died in faith in Christ is in the cloud. It's all the saints. So there's a group of people in the cloud, the cloud of witnesses. So when the cloud appears, 
that received Jesus, there were two men standing there. When the cloud received Jesus from the seen to the unseen, he said, he will come back the same way you saw him leave. Okay, so, other references. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew chapter 17. What's it, Luke chapter, I can't remember. Okay, there's Jesus, Peter, James, and John on the mountain. Okay? And suddenly there was who? Two men, Moses and Elijah. And they stood there talking with Jesus. And then Peter wanted to build them huts to fulfill, his mind was with the Feast of Tabernacles. He, he tried to, you know, let's build huts, let's build huts. Then the father spoke and he said, This is my son. Hear ye him. With other words, no more Moses and Elijah. Hebrews chapter 1. He came in past and spoke to us by the prophets. But in the last days, he has spoken to us in the person of a son. This is my son. Hear ye him. And when Peter looked up, he only saw Jesus. And his clothes was glorified. Clothing glorified. And his robe became glorious. He started shining. And there was a cloud on the mountain. Was there a cloud? Okay, did someone come out of the cloud to speak to Jesus? Do, do you see the connection? So the cloud, it's not a physical cloud. It's a spiritual cloud. Okay. So he says, he will, where were we lost? For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will also bring with him, through Jesus, those who have fallen asleep in death. For this we declare to you by the Lord's own word, that we who are alive and remain, the left behind ones, until the coming of the Lord, shall in no way proceed into his presence or have any advantage at all over those who have previously fallen asleep in him, them in the cloud that group of people. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a loud cry of summons, with a shout of an archangel, and with a blast of a trumpet of God, and those who have departed this life in Christ will rise first. Then we, the living ones, who remain on the earth. So what does the living ones do? They remain on the earth. Does it say they go anywhere? No, it says they remain on the earth shall simultaneously be caught up along with the resurrected dead in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Okay, King James. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we be, ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another, not scare one another to death. The word caught up is the word harpazo. In the Greek, 726, to seize, to catch, to pluck, to pull, to take by force. 
So it was also used in Matthew chapter 11, when Jesus was speaking about John the Baptist, he said, the kingdom, from the time of John the Baptist, the kingdom suffers violence by the hands of violent men. And the violent harpazo. Take it by force. Okay? Another time they wanted to make Jesus king. And they tried to seize him, harpazo him to making him king. But he withdrew to a mountain. To, to a solitary place. So it's an eager grasping. Another meaning is, okay, so it's three ways that it can be used. It says, spoken of beasts of prey, like a wolf catching, in John chapter 10, a sheep. He's eager to get that sheep. Okay? To seize with eagerness or greed. Okay, so, to, uh, he says in, Philippians 3 verse 12, to apprehend is to seize with eagerness, to take with eagerness. Okay. Spoken of what is snatched suddenly away to rob or to plunder. So is Jesus going to, it's like a robbing or a plundering. So, so it's not people being removed, it's this stuff being removed. But it also doesn't leave the earth. The three, to carry away to hurry off, spoken of a person. So a person being carried away or to hurry off. Okay, so this is what I see in this. It's an eager grasping. So it says, or a seizing. So we will be seized with or by something. So what will, you, will we be seized with? What will happen suddenly and eagerly? The clothing upon. The full salvation. The swallowing up in life. He is grasping his saints that's eagerly awaiting him. Bringing them to full salvation. You are mine and nothing will ever take you out of my hand. So it's grasping to make us his own. He's apprehending us. Okay. So that's our parts. And it says, Those who have departed will rise first. Then the living ones shall be caught up or grasped eagerly, seized eagerly, along with them in the cloud. So first they will raise. Them in the cloud will be raised. Do you get it? What's the first thing that happens when he comes back, when he brings them with him? First, they will be raised from the dead. And they will receive what? Their bodies back. And then we will together with them be grasped with full salvation, bringing the, uh, our bodies to full salvation. Our body of humiliation changed into the body of his glory with the same power that he used to subject everything to himself. You have to put the scriptures together. Okay? And still, no one says we're going anywhere. Then he says, shall simultaneously be caught up with them in the cloud, that group, 
to meet the Lord in the air. Okay, I just want to read something of the meeting. The word, I can't do everything. Okay, is apanthesis. Just listen to this. This is from Dr. Kelly Warner's book, Who's Right It Is. You can order it online. It's really good. It says, to meet the Lord, there will be a meeting in the air. The Greek word means, uh, for meet is apanthesis, Strong's 5 to 9. And it means a friendly encounter. What have you heard about the meeting? Okay, it's a friendly encounter. It's a derivative of apanteo to meet away, apo, off, away from. The latter can be used literally or figuratively. Vines says, Vines Concordance says, that apantesis was used with regard to a newly arriving magistrate. The special idea of the word was the official welcome of a newly arrived dignitary. So it's a welcome. That's the word. It's a welcome. Kittel's Theological Dictionary of the New Testament adds that apanthesis was used for the public welcome accorded to important visitors, and the Christians will welcome Christ through acclaiming him as Lord, abridged, etc. references. Okay, it means returning with the welcoming party, not remaining at the place of meeting. Again, we are not going, Jesus is coming. The meeting in the air is to welcome him back to this planet. Apantesis is used only here and in Matthew 25. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. So if they meet the bridegroom, what do they do? Do they go away with the bridegroom or do they return to the marriage? Remember in those times the bride, the bride waited for the bridegroom. Not like us, we're all waiting for oh, the bride is late again. Have you done some weddings? You wait for the bride, you wait for the bride, okay, then the organ plays in, okay? So, or these days, other music, okay? So, but the bridegroom came. So the virgins went out to meet him, to accompany him. So it's like you, you meet family that you haven't seen in five years. You go out to your front gate. They are here. You don't get in the car with them when you meet them. You welcome them to your house and the car parks inside and you help them carry their bags eagerly into your home. Does it make sense? Okay, to meet the Lord in the air. The word air is air. That means the realm of breathable air. That means out in the open. Oh, I'm just going to take a walk. I want to get some air. You don't say, I want to go take a walk. I want to get some sky. Okay. The word for sky is uranus. The word for air is air or aero, from which aeroplane is derived. Aero. If it's a physical cloud and we meet him in the air, and you're in a Boeing 747 at 60,000 feet, you'll have to be caught down because you're above the clouds. If someone is caught upwards and we have to ascend upwards in South Africa, but then they'll have to 
ascend upwards in the United States, we're going into different directions. In, in the universe, there's no up and down. Up and down is meant to be in a realm. Jesus ascended, but he didn't fly anywhere. He went into a cloud. He went from the scene to the unseen. So he's going to come back from the unseen to the scene, but bringing them with him, they will first be raised from the dead in their bodies, and then as they are raised, we together with them will be clothed upon with our heavenly dwelling, and we will receive, we will be swallowed up in life. And that which is uh, capable of dying, the mortal will put on immortality. And that which has decayed or corrupted will be made, corruption will be made incorruptible. That means the dead will be raised, corruption made incorruptible, and those who are alive, the mortal, will be made immortal. All of them still here with him coming here and filling the earth with what? His glory. As sure as I live, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will fill the earth like the waters cover the sea. The scriptures must explain the scriptures. Nowhere in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 does it, or any other scripture, does it say we are leaving this planet. But it says the natural will be changed and what is in heaven will be seen here. So whatever is corrupted because Adam messed up will be changed into what God envisioned when he created everything by the word of his power. Does it make sense? Okay. So we've got to stop because this is just too much. So what's going to happen at the end? King of glory is going to come and he's going to bring us to full salvation. Death will be swallowed up in life. Oh, can I just add one more thing? It's just so nice. Is it all right? Okay, just listen to this. Psalm 126. Psalm 126. Oh man, just when I read this, I was just like, I just saw this last night. Just listen to this. <laughs> Just listen to this. Okay. Do you know that the Babylonian captivity is a, is, a, is a pattern of things to come? When the Lord brought back the captives who returned to Zion, we were like those who dream. It seemed so unreal. Okay. Does it ring a bell? Then our mouths were filled with laughter. Just imagine the people getting their glorified bodies. Just imagine the people being raised from the dead. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Turn to freedom our captivity and restore our fortunes, O God, as the streams in the south. They who sow in tears will reap in joy. Oh, John chapter 12. If a seed abides alone, if a seed does not die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth a harvest, many like unto itself. You with me? 
Jesus was the seed. He died. What's the harvest? Many like him. They are so in tears. Shall reap in joy and singing. Now, just see First Thessalonians 4 here. Please, please. He who goes forth bearing seed and weeping at needing his precious supply of grain for sowing shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Do you see it? Revelation chapter 22. Almost done. Revelation chapter 22. Verse 12. It says, Behold, I am coming soon. And I shall bring my wages and rewards with me to repay and render to each one uh, just what his own actions and his own work or merit. Okay, King James. Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according to his, uh, his work shall be. What is the work? John chapter 6. What is the work that God asks of us? What are we to do that we may be working the works of God? Jesus answered them, he says, This is the work that God requires of you, that you believe in the one whom God has sent. Only believe, only believe, all things are possible. Only believe. Okay. Amen. He's coming with his reward. So what is his reward? <laughs> Those who sow in tears. He sowed his own life. Shall reap with joy. He will doubtless come again. Bringing his sheaves with him. Who is he bringing with him? All those who he brought to salvation. All those. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 says. We have not come to a material mountain that can be touched. But we have come to Mount Zion. To the church of the firstborn. To the spirits of the saints made perfect. He's bringing them with him. When he comes again. They'll be raised again. We will be changed. And we will all be caught up. Or grasped eagerly by this Life, the clothing upon, swallowed up in life. It's a friendly meeting. We welcome him back. And we are changed into his very own image. 2 Corinthians 3.18, Ephesians chapter 4, Romans chapter 8. We are supposed to be conformed to the image of Christ. I'm sorry. Your plane ticket is cancelled. <laughs> Unpack your bags. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Lord, I pray, let your kingdom come in earth as it is in heaven. Lord Jesus, I pray, let the signs and wonders demonstrated in the life of Jesus in the days of his flesh be seen in the church, widely spread all across the world. Let there be such a great revival. Let every person see who they really are in Christ, in Jesus.
name. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to one last thing. First John 3 verse 2. We know not what we shall be hereafter, but we know this. When he comes, we shall resemble him and be like him, for we shall see him as he really is. Amen. Be blessed, everyone. I know it was a shaking, but it's a good shaking. Be blessed. <laughs> we'll see you again tomorrow morning. There's an email address if you want to ask questions or if you want to throw rocks, throw it there. Okay? If you want to fight with me, you're welcome. Please, there's the email address. And, um, but may you be blessed, and I pray that this revelation will just fall the earth, set people free from fear of all the future stuff and dragons and false prophets and all kinds of things that people say are coming. It just isn't. Okay, so be blessed. We'll see you again online tomorrow morning at 9. Have an awesome day.